The lesson that we're have, going to have today is related to the lesson we had on God's grace and our faith. And the reason I want to expand our look in Scripture is that there are some objections to the idea that faith is an active faith. One of the main arguments brought to bear against it is that we are not saved by works. In my last lesson, we saw that grace, as a comprehensive biblical term, represented everything that God did in providing salvation to mankind. We see that the wages of sin is death in Romans 6 and 23, which means eternal separation from God. Sin is a violation of God's law and causes mankind to lose fellowship with him. God is holy and just, and he cannot overlook our sins. There has to be a punishment for sin, and that punishment is eternal separation from the fellowship with God. The only way that man can regain that fellowship is if he pays the just penalty for that sin. It doesn't matter what the sin is, the penalty is the same. We have all lost our fellowship with God, and that cannot be restored unless we pay the penalty in full. Thankfully for us, God is rich in grace and mercy, and he does not want to see us suffer for all eternity. He wants people to have a chance to regain that fellowship. He provided a plan where a person can have hope of being reconciled. We said that God was under no obligation to do this. There is nothing mankind can do to earn it or pay for it, and we don't in any way deserve it. Nothing man did compelled or can compel God to do this. This means of reconciliation came at great personal expense for God, namely the life of his son, as a substitutionary death for us. God could have washed his hands of mankind and walked away, leaving us to our fate forever. He would have been perfectly within his right to do that very thing. He did not owe us anything. We got into this predicament by ourselves. God is absolutely blameless in all that we have done, and God is under no obligation toward mankind in this affair beyond what he has obligated himself for. Because God loves us so much, he graciously came up with a plan by which man could be reconciled to him and escape the death penalty of sin. Grace can be illustrated as God reaching down from heaven toward doomed mankind with an offer of salvation. His motivation for doing this is entirely out of his love for us. That is grace. Faith, as we learned in my last lesson, is the comprehensive biblical term representing man's response to God's gracious offer. We respond to God's grace by and through faith. Grace alone cannot save us because if it did, everyone that was living would be automatically having their tickets punched for the ride to heaven, no matter how they had lived their life. We have to respond to God's gracious offer in order to receive it. The response we must give is represented in the Bible as faith, 
Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 reads, For grace you have been saved through faith. Neither grace nor faith is mutually exclusive, meaning one does not rule out or cancel the other. Our salvation is not by grace only because we must have faith. Salvation cannot be by faith only because we must have grace. Salvation is made available by grace through faith. Two roles, two actions, and two responses working together. God responded to our situation with grace. We respond to God's offer through faith. In order for either one of these to be of any benefit to us, we have to have both. When we read Ephesians 2 and 9, we see another point that Paul makes in that same context. He says here, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Well, how do works operate in our faith response? It's a very important question that needs to be answered because there are a vast number of people who believe and teach that faith is really faith only and works are not necessary. They support this teaching by saying that works do not save us and within the proper context, they are absolutely right. Works do not save us. The remainder of this lesson is going to examine the role of faith and how it relates to work. First of all, we need to define what a work is. A work is any mental or physical act that is intended to produce a result. The act of making a decision is a work. Even the mental exercise of believing something is work. You have done something. Believing. Believing that something, you use the intake of information and then you make a decision based upon it. That is an act which is intended to produce a result. It is therefore a work in and of itself. The Bible even defines faith as a work. We look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3, where Paul writes, Remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope, in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of our God and Father. Again, 2 Thessalonians 1 and 11, Paul wrote, Therefore, we also pray always for you, that our God would count you worthy of this calling, and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness, and the work of faith with power. Faith is a work. And for those who believe and teach that Bible faith means faith only, that is, we are saved by faith without works, this becomes a problem. If we are not saved by works, then we cannot be saved by faith, which is defined as a work in Scripture. Then how do we solve this? How can we be saved through faith, which is a work, and not be saved by works? The simple answer to this is that the Word of God does teach us that we're not saved by works, but it never, ever says that we are saved without them. Some people have the understanding that we're not saved by works, therefore we are saved without them. That understanding is an assumption that is totally foreign to what the Word of God actually teaches us about faith and works. Our understanding of faith and works must come from a comprehensive view of all that is written about them. 
Jesus declared in Matthew 7 and 21 that only the obedient would inherit eternal life. One cannot be obedient to Jesus without engaging in work. Not all works are the same, and not all of them have the same application in regard to our salvation, the same function. There is more than one kind of works, and there is more than one way they are relevant to our salvation. One must ask, in what way do works save me, and in what way do they not save me? The gift of God's grace, which is everything he did in order to secure means and hope of salvation for a person, cannot be bypassed by any work. God's grace cannot be taken away from or diminished by any human work. God's grace cannot be earned. It cannot be paid for. It cannot be deserved or merited by anything that we could possibly do. In that way, our works cannot save us. Our works cannot save us by going around or bypassing God's grace. God was under no obligation to provide man with a means of salvation. He would have been perfectly within his rights to just allow us to spend eternity in hell. Yet, God's entire plan of redemption for mankind was set in place before time began. In speaking of Christ, Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20, He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Paul wrote in Romans 5 and 8, But God demonstrated his own love toward us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. No human work can add or take away from that commitment. In that way, we are not saved by our works. Our works cannot save us by going around God's plan of salvation. Jesus gave his life for us, Galatians 2 and 20. I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. He died the death we deserve, 1 John 2 and 2. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. No human work can make that sacrifice unnecessary. In that way, we are not saved by our works. Our works cannot save us by going around the blood of Christ. Jesus said in John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the mediator. No human work can bypass Christ to get us to the Father. In that way, we are not saved by our works. We were dead in our sins before we came to Christ, Colossians 2 and 13. He purchased us with his own blood, Acts 20 and 28. We were purchased with a price, 1 Corinthians 6 and 20, and 1 Corinthians 7 and 23. He is the guarantee of our inheritance, Ephesians 1 and 14. We were dead, now we are alive. The cost was Jesus' blood. We belong to God, and he is rightfully entitled to everything that we do. 
Every work we engage in rightfully belongs to him. Our works are not solely ours to decide what we're going to do with them. There is nothing we can do that will buy us back from God. We have nothing to offer that does not already belong to him. In that way, our works cannot save us. In the last lesson, we looked at the term faith as it was used in many applications in the word of God. We're going to go back through some of those. You're going to remember some of them, and we're going to make some observations as it relates to the subject of works. Let's keep in mind as we go through this list that faith is defined as a work in the word of God. Remember in 1 Thessalonians 1 and 3, faith is a work. We're not going to read that one again. No, let's read it anyway. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of our God and Father. And then we also looked at 2 Thessalonians 1 and 11. Therefore, we also pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. The inspired apostle Paul defined faith as a work. Let's look at some other places. Ephesians 6 and 16. The work of faith is our shield. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Using our faith as a shield is a work of faith. We cannot use our faith as a shield and quench the darts of the wicked one without doing something, engaging in a work. Using our faith as a shield requires a decision to do so and the act of doing it. God does not owe us anything when we do this. We don't deserve God's grace, nor can we merit our salvation through making our faith a shield. We have not bypassed Jesus with his, this work of faith. We have not added to or taken away from God's grace and in this action in any shape or form. The work of faith is both a sacrifice and a service in Philippians 2 and 17. Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with you all. Sacrifices are things we give up. Service is something we do for one another and for those outside Christ. We cannot engage in faith that sacrifices and serves without doing something. A faith without sacrifice and service would be a faith that is missing these works. James wrote in James 2 at verse 14, what does it profit my brethren if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? That was a rhetorical question which had the implied answer of no, it cannot. It is not possible for faith alone to be a sacrifice and a service. It is not possible for faith to be a sacrifice and a service without works. The work of faith, therefore, includes the work of sacrifice and service. That being said, this work of faith is not a merit of salvation. 
It doesn't pay for it. It cannot add anything to what God has done for us. It cannot save us apart from the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. In these ways, our work of faith through sacrifice and service cannot save us. The work of faith is a walk. 2 Corinthians 5 and 7, For we walk by faith and not by sight. Ephesians 2 and 10, For we are his workmanship, created in Jesus Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Colossians 2 and 6, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. The work of faith includes a walk. A walk is a way of life. It's a way our life is lived. It is not possible to walk a way of life without engaging in a work. Our work of faith must include our walk, that way of life. This work of faith is not meritorious. It cannot get us into heaven apart from Jesus Christ, nor can it make his sacrifice for us unnecessary. These are ways in which our walk of faith cannot save us. However, this does not mean that our walk of faith is not necessary. James wrote in James 2, verse 17, Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. James says that faith without works is alone and dead. James made it clear in verse 14 that a claim of faith without works does not profit us, that is, save us. The work of faith is a trial, James 1 and 7, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. A trial is a test of faith, patience or stamina through subjection to suffering or temptation. We cannot endure the trial of faith without doing something. James wrote in chapter 2, verse 18, But if someone will say, You have faith, and I have works, show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. We show our faith to others when we endure the trials of our faith and overcome the sufferings and temptations. The trial of our faith cannot pay for our salvation, The trial of our faith cannot get us to a home in heaven apart from God's grace. We do not deserve God's grace when we work the trial of our faith. These are ways in which our work of faith cannot save us. It does not mean that our trial of faith is not necessary. The work of faith is a fight. 1 Timothy 6, verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Fighting requires defensive and offensive actions. We have to defend the truth and carry God's word to the lost. We cannot engage in a fight without doing something. Fighting the good fight of faith requires action. James wrote in chapter 2 at verse 19, Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble, 
But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? James declared that a faith with no works is a dead faith. A dead faith cannot produce a living soul. Fighting the good fight of faith is a work. Does this work of faith merit God's salvation? No. Will this work of faith make Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for our sins unnecessary? No. Will it make unnecessary for Christ to have died for our sins? No. These are ways in which our fight of faith cannot save us. Biblical faith is a shield. Faith is a sacrifice, a service, a walk, a trial, a fight. And therefore, faith must be a work. Yet works cannot earn or merit salvation. But we cannot be saved without them. For Jesus declared in Matthew 7 at verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Since we cannot get into the kingdom of heaven without doing his will, then we know we cannot get there without works. Works cannot compel God to offer man a means of reconciliation, but we cannot be reconciled without them. Paul wrote in Titus chapter 3, verse 5, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us, through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. God implemented the plan of redemption all on his own, without any help or motivation from us. Works cannot place us in a position where we can boast of our salvation. We can never do enough. We can never be good enough that we can be boastful. Ephesians 2, verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Notice the grace is the gift of God. That's everything God did for us. It's God's gift. It is not because of our works, not because of anything we did, so we have no right to boast. Works cannot replace Jesus on the cross, but we cannot be saved without them. Works cannot bypass Jesus to gain access to the Father, but we cannot have access to him without them. 1 Corinthians 6 and 20. For you were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. The price that was paid for us has nothing whatsoever to do with our works. Works cannot repay that debt, and we certainly cannot be saved without them. We cannot be saved without the faith response. Paul wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. God's grace was given to us through Christ Jesus, the decision was made before time began. Nothing we can possibly do can change that, add to it or take away from it. 
That does not mean that works, which are the obedience to God, is not necessary. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7, And to give you who are troubled rest with us, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. We cannot obey the gospel without working. It's just not possible. Those who have failed to obey will be punished forever. Faith without obedience leads to destruction. Faith without works is dead. Again, in James 2, verse 20, But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works, faith was made perfect. We've looked at a lot of things that works cannot do, but what can they do? Let's look at some things that the Word of God says that works can do. The work of obeying Jesus will make us wise. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. On the other hand, failing to obey Jesus' words makes us foolish. In that same context, verse 26, Now everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. We all know how this ends. The house with a solid foundation withstood the storms, but the house on sand did not. Works of obedience to God demonstrate our love for him. In John 14, verse 23, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Works of disobedience to God demonstrate that we do not love him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the word of my Father who sent me. Those who work the works of righteousness are accepted by God, Acts 10 and 35. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. Works of obedience make us servants of righteousness, Romans 6 and 16. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin to death or of obedience to righteousness? Works of righteousness make us righteous. First John 3 and 7, little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. Failure to work these works of righteousness result in our not being of God. John, 1 John 3 and 10, same context. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. 
If we fail to work obedience to God's commands and claim that we know him, we are liars. First John 2 and 4, he who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Those who do work obedience to God's commands are in God and also have God perfected within them, 1 John 2 and 5. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. It's our works of obedience, keeping the word, which perfects the love of God within us. And by this same thing, we know that we are in him. Those who work obedience have purified their souls, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Works of obedience help us seek for glory and honor and immortality. In speaking of God, Paul writes in Romans chapter 2 at verse 6, who will remember to each one according to his deeds, eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. These are some of the things that works will achieve. Those who do good will be resurrected to eternal life, and those who do evil will be resurrected to condemnation. Obedience to Jesus Christ results in him being the author of our eternal salvation. The Hebrew writer, speaking of Jesus, writes in Hebrews 5 and 9, and having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Scripture shows us over and over again, good works result in good things, bad works result in bad things. But one thing we must never forget is that no matter what good we may do in life, our works neither promotes or compels God to offer us salvation. Neither can they pay for it. They cannot earn it. No matter what good we may do, we do not deserve it. We cannot work our way into heaven without Christ. We cannot work enough to get around the need for his death on the cross, the shedding of his blood. Those are things that works can never do. And we must always keep that in mind. We can never work enough to gain an eternal inheritance in heaven, apart from God's grace and our faith. On the other side of the coin, we also cannot get to heaven without works. If we want to be saved, we're going to have to work for something that we can never earn, never pay for, never merit, never deserve, and never get apart from God's grace. Jesus said in John 6 and 27, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. He said to labor, you cannot labor without working. We learn from the New Testament how we are to be saved. We need to hear the word, believe in Jesus, repent of our sins. We must confess our belief that Jesus is the Son of God and be baptized for the remission of our sins. And then we have to faithfully follow him. 
If anyone here needs to respond, either to dedicate themselves to be with Christ, to be buried with him in baptism, become part of the work he has for us, or if you have need to ask prayers on your behalf, won't you come forward while we stand and sing our invitation song? <laughs>